In this church, uh, if you're visiting today for the first time, we believe that everything that we do say should be centered upon God's Word. So if you don't have a Bible, snuggle over next to someone that does have a Bible, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, we're going to be looking at several scriptures this morning. Uh, David has the uh, habit of calling me a rabbit because I jump all around the Bible. <clears throat> but uh, I like to bring all of God's Word into uh, the teaching. Uh, I don't think that we can take one scripture and have a doctrine on it. So uh, I do jump around a little bit. So if you'll try to stay with me, and above all, keep your ears open. I believe God is going to work mightily in here this morning. First of all, I want you to open to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew, that's the first gospel in the New Testament. Everyone seems to know where that one is. <clears throat> Matthew 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Then turn to Luke, Luke, the third gospel, chapter 11, and we'll start reading at the 33rd verse. Hallelujah. I love to hear those pages rattle. That, Luke, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it into a secret place or under a bushel, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light. And when the bright shining of a lamp gives you a, a light. And he spoke a certain Pharisee, asked him, dine with me. So he went and he sat down to eat. Let's 
have a word of prayer that God would open our mind. I just don't believe that we can receive divine truth unless our hearts are open. And uh, there's a divine truth here this morning that it's not only for those that are young in the faith, it's for every one of us. And I want everything God has this morning, don't you? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that the light of the gospel message might shine forth. I ask, Lord, that you would allow this word to take effect in our lives, that it would not just be an, a historic word that is written in a book, but it would become the living word in our hearts, and that we might be changed from glory unto glory, even by the power of the Spirit. And that, Father, you would touch this pastor this morning, that the words would have authority, that they would not return unto you void, but would accomplish that for which you're sending them. That everyone here would be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that these truths would ring true and that they would hear them. You'd give them ears to hear and a heart to receive. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a beautiful, beautiful stained glass window back here. And it would be a shame if I didn't have some way of looking at that, some way of getting that beauty into the inner man. If my eyes were darkened and I was unable to see, even though the beauty was there, it would mean little to me. And just as it's uh, a wonderful thing for God's people to be able to behold the light of day or the light of the sun, it's the same way to behold the light of truth that beams forth from Jesus Christ, from the cross of Calvary. Amen? We need to have eyes to see spiritual things. How many of you know spiritual things are spiritually discerned? The light of Jesus Christ was not put in a secret place. It wasn't hid under a basket but it was put on the lampstand of the cross that everybody in this world might have a chance to see the glory and the light that shines from Calvary's cross. It says in John, this is the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. 
Let your light so shine before men that it will glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we need to receive light before we can give off light. I don't have any light of my own. I'm like a dead planet, like the moon. It only reflects the sun. In studying these scriptures now, first of all, if you're taking notes, the first point is we want to consider the medium. All right? The first point, we're going to consider the medium. The medium is light. It said uh, that uh, it's the light of the body. And actually, the thing that's going to receive it is the eye. So let's consider the eye first. And uh, there's a lot we can learn here. We compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Now, I'm going to be talking about bodily things, but they're also going to be spiritual things that we can grasp onto. First of all, the eye is passive. The eye does not and cannot create light. If there was no light there, I couldn't see it. And neither can it form or transform what it sees. It's going to just transmit what it beholds. And it is just a receiver or a reflector. And the outward object is brought to the inner consciousness through the eye. It's just like a, a channel through which visible things are revealed to an invisible spirit. In other words, what I see goes into my mind, goes down into my heart, and I don't mean the thing that pumps blood. It goes down, if, if we, uh, remember that television show they used to have, would the real so-and-so stand up? Well, if they said, would the real Bob Rooks stand up? You know, sometimes you look in the mirror and it's not the one you see in the mirror. It's the real you that's down inside. You know what I'm talking about? And this light has to be reflected into the soul. And that's the way it is spiritually. This is light. This is truth. And as it comes into your eyes and into your mind and gets down into your heart, it begins to do a work in your spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, the eye is very sensitive. You get a little, just a little thing in your eye and, oh, it hurts. You can't think of anything else except that little thing that's in your eye. You know what I'm talking about? You get a little piece of sand in there and, boy, everything else stops until you get that piece of sand out. 
And it, little things can mar your vision. Dust and pollen and foreign substances, they can really mess up your vision. Some people, uh, uh, they have allergies so bad that their eyes get to itching and the water, and, and, and you can't hardly see when, when this thing is happening to your eyes. Some people's eyes, they're affected by their sugar imbalance in their body. Right, Mickey? And at times when your sugar's off, boy, you're having problems with your vision. And our consciences are the same way. Our consciences are very tender. And just like the eye, we need to, to guard them. Paul says over in Acts 24 and verse 16, he says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. We need to strive to keep a clear conscience. When you do something wrong, your conscience will tell you, hey, that's wrong. But if you keep on doing that, your conscience will become seared to the point where it no longer convicts you of sin. And so Paul says, I strive to keep my conscience clear because God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks through your consciences. Now there's people in here this morning that God is speaking to them now, right now, through their conscience. And before this service is over, God will have brought some sins to mind or something that they need to change in their life. Matthew 7, if you'll turn there. Matthew 7 and verse 1. It says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck in your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. It's, I, I don't know why it works that way. I am blind sometimes to my own faults, and yet I can see yours so clearly. Why is that? Here I've got a great big old plank in my eye, and I'm over there looking at this little bitty speck in my brother's eye. 
What a ridiculous picture that is. And yet we do it. We judge one another. And instead of judging ourselves. And he says, well, the judgment you use is the judgment that you're going to be judged. If we're lenient and we're merciful to other people when we're looking at their lives, then he's going to be merciful to us. But if we judge without mercy, then he's going to judge us without mercy. And we've got to keep our eye clear so that we can see clearly. And so what it's saying here, don't be a hypocrite, judge yourself first. Get the sin out of your own life, then go over and, and, and help your brother. Point out his sins to him. How many of you have reached perfection already? Well, the first thing, the one that raised his hand, I'm going to pray for him because if you think you've reached perfection already, you're believing a lie. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. See, we're, we're not judging, uh, comparing ourselves with ourselves because that's not wise, the Bible says. We compare ourselves with Jesus Christ. And as you compare yourself with Jesus Christ, how many of you know you're not Jesus? How many of you know you're not as perfect as he was? Hallelujah. The second thing as we consider these scriptures this morning of the light in the eye is I want to consider the means. The medium was the eye. The means is the light. The light was made for the eye and the eye was made for the light. Did you ever stop and think how wonderfully made you are? God made, made it so that you can receive light and it's not just, just a shadow, but it, it's, it brings all these different colors and everything to bear on your brain so that you see things that are so beautiful. But light is not more suitable to the eye than Christ is to the soul. Just as the eye was made for light, our spirit was made for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. No one would be foolish enough to say, I don't have any need of light. And yet people say, I don't need Jesus. And yet there's an emptiness in their life, and they're trying to fill that emptiness with all kinds of things. Faster cars, bigger homes, boats and motors, illicit sex, drugs, name it. They're trying to fill the emptiness in their heart. 
in, in, you know, the real you. See, God made a God-made void in each one of us, and it can only be filled with the Spirit of God. Just like the eye can only receive light, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the truth. And when you receive that truth down in your heart, you know that it's truth. You know that it's truth. Hallelujah. We need the Spirit of God for our, ourselves. And I, I'm going to read this one to you. You don't need to turn over there. If you want to, you can. It's over in, it's over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man, spiritually, he's blind. He's blind. He can't perceive spiritual things. The only thing that they can receive is the worldly, and so you're just babbling to them. It's, it's foolishness to them. But once the Spirit of God begins to make that truth real to your heart, you know it's truth. For years I sat in a church and I thought, boy, I'm okay. Until the Spirit began to reveal. And all of a sudden, just like in the Garden of Eden, you feel naked before God. He strips away all the veneer. And all of a sudden you realize Without Jesus, I'm not going to make it. But the Spirit has to reveal that to you. I'd like to pray this morning that God would open the eyes of our understanding. Father, if there's someone in here this morning that their eyes are darkened, their spiritual eyes are darkened, they can't understand spiritual things, would you open their eyes to understand what I'm saying this morning? Hallelujah. Number three, I want to I talk about the manner for a moment. Christ is the light of the world, but there are two ways of dealing with light. There's the evil eye, and then there's the single eye. There's the pure eye, and there's the impure eye. There is the honest and there's the deceitful. There is the new and there's the old heart. And depending on whether you have an evil eye or a, or a hardened heart depends on how you're going to perceive things. See, one time my heart was so hard that when people told me the truth, I didn't, I, I, it just went right over my head. It didn't sink down into my heart. 
I want to talk about the single eye first. The single eye is one that's been anointed with eye salve, as it says over in Revelations 3. We're going to look at that scripture later. You don't need to look at it right this minute. But Jesus advises the church at Laodicea to buy eye salve from him. The single eye seeks truth. There's no mixed motives. There's no mingling of self-interests. Paul said, this one thing I do. The single eye has just one object, and that's Jesus. Truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the life. I'm the way. No one cometh unto the Father except by me. And so we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on, well, there's too many hypocrites in the church, and, and there's too many that, uh, that live by this doctrine or that doctrine or some other. Hey, get your eyes on Jesus. He's the only one that can save you. You are not saved by this church. You're saved by Jesus Christ. He's the only way back to the Father. And we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And condemnation is upon us. And we are headed for the judgment. Judgment is coming. And we are all going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account for what we did in this earthly body. Jesus is the way back. He is our peace with God. Those that are double-minded, and we have a few in different churches that are double-minded. Peter says they're on, or James says they're on stable in all their ways. Boy, today I'm saved, tomorrow I'm not. Today I'm a Christian, tomorrow I'm not. Today I give up my sins, tomorrow I'm wallowing in them. That's a double-minded man. We want, we want to have eyes that are single. And Paul had his eyes on Jesus, and he wanted to be like Jesus. That's what I want to be like. And that's what you should want to be like. Then there's the evil eye. It's kind of the colored lens through which an unclean heart sees things. It's the eye of prejudice. The evil eye is like the eye of a hawk, which keeps looking down as it's flying upward. Let's not keep our eyes on earthly things. Let's get our eyes turned heavenward. Hallelujah. If the eye be evil, Jesus said, the whole body is full of darkness. It depends on how you perceive things with your spiritual eye. You're either receiving light or you're receiving darkness. You're either receiving truth or you're receiving a lie. Man's actions are controlled by what is in his heart. Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. 
if I've taken a lie into my heart, then my actions that I live by are against the truth. I'm living a lie. That's why Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. In other words, you'll know them by their actions. You'll know which ones are Christians by their love. Amen? Simple, isn't it? And it brings me down, finally, to the message that I really want to get across to everyone. And that's found over in Luke 11:35. wait until you find it because it's important that you see it. Luke 11, 35. Therefore, take heed. In other words, pay attention. That the light which is in you is not darkness. I have never known where the Holy Spirit in his words would say, take heed or beware of, but what it was something that was easy to fall into. It's like a big danger sign that's put up next to a, to a pitfall. It says, danger, pitfall, don't go here. Well, whenever you see take heed, the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, here's something that you better look at because it's easy to fall into. Take heed that the light that is in you is not darkness. In other words, make sure that what you think is truth is truth and not a lie. Now, can Christians believe a lie? Well, Let's go over to Revelations 3. I told you we were going to look at that. Revelation, it's the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 3. <clears throat> and verse... Well, let's see here. Verse 16, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you or vomit you out of my mouth, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that, you, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Here is a church that thought 
Boy, I've got it all together. I don't need anything. I've arrived. I'm all right. I'm there. And Jesus says, you're lukewarm. He said, you make me sick. He says, I'm going to counsel you to get some things that are really valuable. Get, get some gold from me. Get, get some of my truth that's really valuable. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that uh, you ought to buy some eye salve. Because you're blind. They were blind to their need. And he, he also told them to, to, to uh, get some clothing from him to clothe their nakedness. You see, Jesus is our righteousness, and we get righteousness from Jesus Christ. And that covers our nakedness. They realized they were naked in the Garden of Eden when they sinned. And they were trying to cover themselves with, with leaves. And God had to go and kill an animal to give them some skin to cover themselves. See, real covering comes from God, and it comes by the shedding of blood. The covering for your sins comes from Calvary's cross. Jesus died for your sin, and that's the only way back. And if you think there's any other way back, then you are sadly mistaken. You better buy some eye salve because this truth needs to go down in your heart. You've got a hold of a lie. If you think that you can get there through good works or you can get there through going to a certain church, forget it. It's through Jesus Christ. That's essential. I got some more scriptures, and we got to run through them real quick. Like, let's go to Isaiah five. Isaiah, that's the first major prophet over in the Old Testament. Isaiah, it's about a little over halfway through the Bible. From the beginning, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. All you Christians, I want you to pay attention. All you that think you're all right, all right, says, Woe, woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. When God says, Whoa, you ought to just shudder. 
it's possible, and I, I, talked, I was talking to my wife about it this morning, it's possible for a person to think that they're all right, and yet they're wrong. And here's the way it works. When you're born, these little twins that were just born, they have no conception of right or wrong. They're innocent. Amen? They have no conception of right or wrong. As they see things and as they hear things, they will store them in their subconscious. It'll go down into their heart, the real person. And later on, when you see or hear something, you compare it against what you already know or what you've been taught. And according to what you know or what you've been taught or what you've seen, depends on whether you call it right or wrong. You understand? And that's what's wrong with our world today. There's people out there that are calling right wrong and wrong right. They're calling evil good and good evil. And it comes about by taking God out of society because then you have no standard of right and wrong. Jesus is the truth. He is the life. He's the way. It's the, it's the way that people ought to live. And they've taken God out of society and they've, they've come up with situation ethics which says, well, what's right in this case may not always be right. Therefore, it changes according to the situation. In other words, it's all right to be a cannibal if you're in an airplane that's uh, crashed on a mountain and there's nothing to eat. You begin to eat one another. That's all right. That's situation ethics. God's word is black and white. There is no gray. You either receive truth or you believe a lie. <clears throat> And woe to those that call wrong right and right wrong. And some of you, now listen, may have some preconceived ideas in your head and you're believing wrong things because you got wrong things computed in your mind. What you have to do is begin to say, this is truth. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's wrong. <clears throat> okay. Now you've found Isaiah. Hold Isaiah. Hold your finger there. And then go over to Revelation, because that's the last book, right? And then turn back a couple of books, because about three books, because we're going to be in 1 John. All right? 1 John. 1 John, <clears throat> and I want to look first of all at chapter 2 and verse 9. 
He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, or in the truth, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eye. That light that he thought he had was darkness, because it hasn't brought him to love. God is love. And if you have love dwelling in your heart, then you're of the truth. If all of your actions are motivated by love, then that is truth. If you're doing it out of selfishness, that's a lie. Selfishness says, do unto them before he does it to you. But the Word of God says, be good to them that despitefully use you. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn back a page to 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus Christ. This is the message that we heard from Jesus Christ. Isn't that nice to know? Don't you want to know what the message is you heard from Jesus? This is it. This is the message that we heard from him and delivered to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In other words, he is completely truth. I'll put it in other words. There is no falseness in him. He is truth. He is perfection. Perfection. There's no darkness at all in him. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, in other words, we, we say we, we have fellowship with God, but we're living a lie. We're walking not in the truth of God's word. We're walking in worldliness and in fleshliness and in, in uh, uh, the ways of the world. We're living in sin. Then we're, we're only deceiving ourselves. If we say that we have light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. I have fellowship with you. You have fellowship with me. I have fellowship with God. God has fellowship with me. We're all in a covenant relationship, and we have fellowship. And we can only be a part of that fellowship if we live in the light as he's in the light. We've got to live truth as he's in the truth. That's what it's saying there. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, if we walk in the truth, yeah, we'll make mistakes. 
Amen. We all make mistakes. How, how many of you know that? But you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ covers that. If we confess our sins on him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. But it all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. One last scripture, and we're going to close with this one. I know it's been long. And it's in Isaiah. I told you to hold your finger there. Go back to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. Behold my servant. That can be no one other than Jesus Christ. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. That's got to be talking about Jesus. Amen? He will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. You know what a bruised reed is? That's a reed that's been...